people would order something and then email and be like, can you not put a receipt in the box when you send it? Because <laughs> I, I haven't told my missus about this. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Chip Away podcast. My name's Adam and I talk with passionate construction professionals and try to chip away at what it is to build, create and shape the landscape we live in. My guest for this episode is Jack Martin. Jack is the man behind the People's Tool Company, tool company your wife warns you about. By day, Jack is a framing contractor who goes hard on the tools, and by night, he runs Australia's premier tool company. From diamondback bags to martinis hammers, the People's Tool Company stocks the best of the best tools for carpenters from what started as a side hustle, Jack's hard work has made him the go-to for Australasian tool frothers. At 23 years young, he's showing how hungry his generation of construction professionals can be to make their own path, and I get behind that 100%, so strap on your Occidentals and grab your M1, because this podcast is all about pushing it to the next level, so enjoy. All right, Jack, thanks for coming on the podcast, brother. I appreciate your time. How are you going? No worries, man. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Not bad, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> Busy day at work. You've got, it looks like you just walked off site, to be fair. Uh, oh, that's harsh about that. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I did it a couple of hours this morning. I was sort of, I was trying to get into it, but I just couldn't force myself, so I fucked off at about one o'clock. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a sad day, so why not? Yeah, standard. Yeah, definitely. So um, for the people who, who don't know you, some some people will definitely know your tool company, but maybe more just a little bit about yourself and get to know the guy behind it all. If you could just give me a wee quick brief bio of yourself, kind of what you do and, and even just a tiny bit about company and then yeah. we'll, we'll crack into into your day-to-day. Um, so sort of as a whole, I work on site mostly doing frames every now and again we'll do a lockup if the frames are quiet we'll ask to do the lockup afterwards just to keep us and the boys moving so it's me and mate chris and then we've got depending four or five apprentices and laborers and that going for us at once um so that's the framing side of things that i do mostly during the day um and then i started the tool company as kind of like a side hustle that ended up not being that sideliney and that was like a night shift thing. <laughs> like for the first year, it was a labour of love, and then after that, it sort of started to go a little bit better. So, yeah, that's that's me as a whole. And then in between that, I've got uh, like two kids and a missus. So. Oh, sweet! Yeah, so you yeah. you you've got plenty on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's always something to do. Yeah, sounds like it. So, so how did it all how did it all get started, bro? I always like hearing people's uh, stories about how they got into the trade how that all came about for you. So yeah, if you could take us back, right back, as far as you can remember. So, <laughs> as far as getting into the trades, my old man's like a ceramic tile, like bathrooms and kitchens and that type of shit. Um, and the rule I was with him when I was a kid, once I was toilet trained, I could go to work with him. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that was like my introduction to the trades and obviously being around builders and that type of shit. If they saw a young kid walking around with fuck all to do, it was there's a broom and five bucks sweep up the floor. Mm. Um, so that's the most early introduction I had to the trades. And then 
high school and chasing girls and that type of shit. Um, I worked a little bit less and then I got to about 15 and high school wasn't going that well for me. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I did a day's bricklaying of all things. Mm. And I told everyone that I just fucking loved it. And that, I think that was mostly so I could just leave school. Um, and my parents are sort of like, well, look, no, we're not signing the release forms for you to go and be a bricklayer. So suck shit. Um, and I look back now and I'm thankful that I did that. So I was in school for probably another six months. And without telling anyone, I'd been like when I was waiting at the bus stop each morning, I was flipping through the yellow pages on my phone, just calling every carpenter and asking for an apprenticeship. Um, and I eventually got onto someone that knew someone that was looking for apprentices in the union. Mm. Um, and then so I had a meeting with him at Turak Subway and the next day I started working on union sites. So that was my introduction. And then from there, I left the union when I figured out that you don't really learn to be a carpenter there. Hmm. Um, went and worked for just some like local guys. They were really good um, all rounders. It was yeah, what you need in an apprenticeship. There was a bit of frame. There was a bit of lock up, fix, high end shit. There was the stuff where you just get it done. So it was a good grasp of everything. What did I do then? Uh, after that, it was I bailed on them soon as I was qualified. I qualified really early. I was only eighteen. Um, and then so I sort of, <laughs> I've always had problems working for people. Mm. So I bounced around just sort of subcontracting around for a couple of years to whoever. And I don't think I worked for anyone for longer than eight, nine months would have been the max. Um, and then Chris went out on his own doing frames and that kind of thing. And he needed a hand. And apprentices aren't that reliable. And so when it's you and one, one unreliable apprentice, it creates problems pretty quickly. Um, and then so he sort of called me up and he's like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> so I don't know, should always do, fuck all. Um, and then, yeah, so I started, we started working together and sort of just started building from there, yeah. Yeah. Sort of brings us to today where we, I think last year we did 50, 60 frames. Um, mostly prefab, keep that in mind when I say that. Um, but, yeah, we pump through the work and that's what I do during the day. <laughs> cool. I wouldn't mind uh, just a bit punishing for you maybe and for some of the audience listening, but over in, over in New Zealand, and I know it's, uh, it's different in New Zealand from, from even in Aussie and, and definitely in North America where you have framers. Like over here, especially in residential, we just don't have that. Carpenters just yep. do everything and we don't have really specialized framers. So when you're saying you're doing prefab frames, you know, when, when are you starting and when are you leaving the job just out of interest? Um, so for us, the framer will do, he'll get there when the slab's pulled or if it's on stumps, he'll put the stumps in and they've probably got brick footings around it or some shit like that. Mm -hmm. And then so you, when I say prefab frames, the frames come from a factory on, a, on the back of a truck. Yeah. Um, so at that point, it's like a big Lego set. You've got to flick out all your walls and you're running around standing them up. And because there's not that much thinking involved with like the actual standing of the walls, like we'll stand, we can stand about four units in a day, plumb and brace. Yeah. Um, just that's like how fast you can get through them and it slows down a little bit for subfloor and that's sort of where you start thinking again. Um, and then so the, we will do, we'll do plaster noggins in the ceiling, change of direction, nogs and windows. And that's sort of us out after that. It's locker. 
Okay. So sort of the first task you'll lock up guy will start to do will probably be eaves um, or external cladding. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are yeah. putting the, you're doing the roof framing and all that as well, aren't you? Yeah. yeah, we're doing the trusses. Well, we don't, down where I live in Victoria, we don't do that much conventional roofing. Yeah. Um, it's all prefabricated trusses. Over in Western Australia and up north a little bit, even in Sydney, Brisbane, they'll do like a lot more conventional roofing, but there's fuck all of it down here. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's the same over here. Pretty much everything's trusses, unless it's like a mono pitch kind of rafter situation. But, um, yeah, then it's <laughs> fuck. Are you gonna pitch that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. So, I mean, that's your day to day. So, what what's the goal for yourself and your company? I mean, so is it uh, you're kind of contracting two builders? You've yeah. said. Yep. Yeah. Are you thinking uh, what's the future for you? Do you reckon in terms of in terms of on the tools wise anyway? I don't know. <laughs> this is why I don't think too much about into the future because I don't have that much of a plan. I've got like obvious goals that I want to achieve, but as far as the method I take to get there, I, I don't really care. Um, I've got the house I'm living in at the minute. So this room that I'm in at the minute will get knocked over and I'll put a unit here. I'll leave the house I'm living in and I'll do one in the backyard. Um, so that'll be like my first personal development, which will be a bit of fun. Um, build a, builder's license, I'm in the process of going to do it at the minute. Yep. Um, and then sort of after that, I haven't thought about it too much. The idea of not having to work for a client and just spec building my own houses is pretty ideal. But yeah. So <laughs> yeah. pulling that off is obviously quite difficult. Otherwise, everyone would do it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's worth a crack though, definitely. Yeah, it seems like it would suit, suit how you want to build. Yes, like, um, and so like um, in Australia, we don't build houses very well. <laughs> like, right. I don't know what it's, as far as like energy efficiency and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so I'd like to start building my own houses or almost do it just to prove a point of if you took like, if you spent an extra 10 grand on building a house, how much better you could make that house. Um, just through like doing your paper better, <laughs> like you're sucking yeah. and that type of shit. Like just little things I could be like, fuck you. I told you it could be done. <laughs> listen, I've done it for myself. <laughs> yeah. Just that type of shit. Um, is that's sort of my motivation for wanting to get my builder's license and build my own houses. Yeah. Um, and just cause like when you know for yourself, when you're on site, you see so many inefficiencies. Um, and then sort of to take that experience and then be able to put it into my own company. It's obviously, I feel like I could do it better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good on you. I mean, yeah, you, you've warned me, <laughs> just for people listening, you've warned me not to get into politics because you'll absolutely go for it. But what do you reckon <laughs> What do you reckon that is? Is that that kind of inefficiency in building? Because we have it here, man, it's the absolute same thing. Is that like the old guard? Is that just the old code? Is that kind of like sky high material prices that we have to build them like that. What, what do you reckon it is and, and, and how, how do you change it? Like you said, an extra 10K can go a long way. Um, it's like the, the code we work to is very relaxed. Um, but a lot of times, so we have a frame inspection and then that's pretty much it until the certificate of occupancy. Like there's nothing, unless there's an independent inspection go through before plaster goes on. Hmm. Like your brick tires will just go straight through your paper yeah. and there'll be a tear around it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like 
you know, and that type of shit, it all adds up. If you got brick ties every 450, then like, what's the point of doing paper on a building? Mm. As if you just like taped where your brick ties go. Just little shit like that. Yeah. Like those 1% is always add up. Um, and then so that's as far as that type of inefficiencies. And then there's the actual running of the job inefficiencies, like how the time management and trade management's piss ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's nothing. Admittedly, we don't work for very good builders. Um, mm. But that, like, we can charge more because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, so we'll like we'll quote a frame on a meter rate, knowing that they'll fuck something up, and then we can hit them with an extras bill. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's whereas, like, if you went to work for like a volume builder that knows their shit. You're not going to hit them with an extra spill, <laughs> mm, yeah, because they're not giving you those little fuck ups that these builders do. Okay. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, all right, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I know it's it's quite. I'd say yeah, the the standards are pretty low even over here. Um, you know, like even you hear you hear about the states, like I know in um, California. I don't know how you guys uh, rate your bats. It's probably the same. But in their um, external walls of their houses, their minimum rating is like R5 in the walls, which is real high. Like that's higher than like almost twice as high as what we put in our ceilings here in New Zealand. Yeah, our walls are less than half that. Uh, And that's California, you know, like it it's yeah, it was just a pretty temperate climate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, sure, Aussie's pretty cold as well. Depends where you are, but you're like over here in the South Island, New Zealand. Like we get pretty cold and we get wet. Yeah, and yeah, like the the standard that we build to is pretty low, eh? and it just it catches up on you. Like it, we're pumping and it's out the so common thing houses. you hear with temperate climates when you start talking. The problem is people start talking about efficient houses, and then everyone just assumes like the passive house standard. Mm. Um, and the common argument, at least over here, is that Australia doesn't have the temperature changes to warrant building to that standard. Right. And they're correct. Like, yeah. there's an, in Australia, there's not a heap of, like, people aren't going to want to pay for a passive house. Um, mm. But it doesn't mean we can't build a better house. Yeah. And that's, like, where people lose it a little bit for me. It's like, I wouldn't build a house to that scale. Like, it's going to cost you a fuck ton more but you can build a better house yeah (laughs) that's not that hard yeah yeah there's there's simple things you can do i mean i'm not a designer but i know here in new zealand like we pump out brand new subdivisions and you know the the rules that developers put on those uh, on those sections is like everyone's got to have a gable facing the street and you know your house has to point a certain way and you can't alter the like the way your house sits on your section at all so like everything could be facing south uh and you've got you know all you would need to do is change the position of your house a little bit to suck up a bit more sun you know yeah. have have polished concrete floors to suck in suck in the energy and and you there's parts of new zealand at least up in and Nelson in the South Island where you can do that. You don't even have to build a, a passive solar house, blah, blah, blah. Just by changing the orientation, having heaps of glass on your yeah, north massive. face of the wall, you don't even need to heat those houses. So yeah. yeah, and it doesn't cost that much more, but for whatever reason, we don't do it. Yeah. As soon as people start talking about it, they just assume, assume that extreme end of the spectrum and that's it. <laughs> it's like in the two hour basket in the pocket. Yeah, definitely. So, 
going from that's, building shitty yes. houses. So that's my, that's my day to day. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, what about your what about your night? How did how did it all come about, man? What what made you think oh, I want to start a tool company? Um. So that I've been looking for like a business a side hustle to start anyway. Um. And then when my missus fell pregnant. I knew it was going to be a lot harder to do that once we had now Amelia. Um, so I sort of, and not in the back of my mind, I was like, fuck, I don't want to be that dad that's always a fucking dollar short and a day late kind of thing. Mm. Um, and then so having that nine-month deadline really puts a rocket up your ass to do something. It's not one of those things like, oh, I'll get to it. Like if that's a deadline you set yourself, like that's, that's when it's happened. Yeah. Um, and so me and a mate in Sydney, we were talking about Diamondbacks and we're like, fuck, we'll just buy ours together. We'll get them sent over in the one shipment. It'll save us like 150 bucks in postage. Fucking sweet. And we sort of kept thinking about it, like, fuck, we'll just buy 10 of them and sell them to our mates and like at least make some of ours back. And we're like, well, that's a bit of a business. So we started looking into it, messaged Connor at Diamondback. He was like, how the fucking can you just send us like the wholesale process over straight away and said like, I'm looking for someone there. Wow. Um, and then sort of money talks, bullshit walks. The guy from Sydney didn't end up putting anything into it and I'd already pretty much committed. Um, but at around that time, obviously buying shit for a kid and that type of stuff, I still had like fuck all money to start it. Um, but I had 600 bucks from my 21st birthday. And I've always been into like trading. At that time, I was into trading cryptocurrencies and that type of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... Yeah, I say put in like I gambled because I did um, 600 bucks on a cryptocurrency and I turned it into three grand in a couple of weeks and that's what got us going. Nice. Um, so, yeah. And then from there, it was like we got our, like we opened up for pre-orders before we did our um, first actual shipment. Not a single person bought anything. <laughs> like no one wow. knew who the fuck we were. We were just like an Instagram page that said we were going to pre-order some Diamondback stock. Yeah. So I get why no one bought anything. Um, and then we got our first shipment over and people would sort of see that it was real, it was there, the website was there. And we started to sell a little bit. Um, and then we started doing pre-orders. But the problem with our pre-orders were it looked like it was in stock. Uh, mm. So it was like that whole first year of building the tool company was all pre-orders that people didn't know they were pre-ordering. Yeah. Um, which is a fucking awful way to build a business. Like it is so shit. Because <laughs> um, like you might get, I don't know, 10 orders in a day and you might have stock for like two or three of them and then the rest you've got to email and be like, uh, it'll be about 14 days. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, fucking what? <laughs> um, we don't do that anymore though. <laughs> Just in case you're listening, if you can buy it on our website, it's in stock ready to go. Yeah. Um, but that was... Yeah, that's what got us to what we're at now. So it was pretty much built on the credit of the customer. Nice. Uh, and yeah, so that was nice. Um, so as my general day will go, I'll get up at about 4.30 to I don't know, 5.30, somewhere in that range and spend a little bit of time in the office before I go to work. I'll head into work framing. At about six, I'll leave the house um, and then I'll generally get home at sort of five to six-ish in the Arvo uh, and my kids go to bed at seven, so I'll spend an hour or so with them and then I'll come back down to the office and 
start on the tool company again. So that's how that yeah. all ties in. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Seven days a week. <laughs> <laughs> Keep busy. You must love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of got it. Otherwise, like you just fuck it off. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, I mean, is there is there a genuine kind of? Are you a bit of a tool freak yourself, or did you kind of just see an opportunity? Like, you know, a lot of those big brands that you're selling on your on your website, that's you know, you can't just walk into a shop. Uh, at least I know you can over here and get yeah, a, no, and get a Occidental bag or you know a Martini's no, hammer. It's just not happening no, we're over here. Um, well, we service. I think there's one in New Zealand that does Occidental, but we service for Martinez, we do Australia New Zealand. Yeah. I get confused with being a tool freak all the time. Um, I'd say I'm more of a productivity freak than a tool freak. Mm. Um, I don't really care about the latest impact driver, how quick it spins, the fucking latest. So I just don't care. Um, I care more about the productivity of it. So if having, if spending the 800 bucks on a nail bag keeps me on site for an hour longer a day because my nail bag's not giving me the shits, and I can be more productive, then that's why I like the good tools. Um, mm. And then so that's where like the good hammers and shit come into it. Like thinking long-term and Martinez is probably going to serve you better than your standard steel handle. Um, and then so, yeah, it's it, my, the tool company is based around productivity more than just getting over flashy shit. <clears throat> like I could import fucking anything from China, polish it, powder coat it, make it look nice, sell it but it's a polished head. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, that's yeah, not the business model we're going for. So we sort of aim at that really good shit. Yeah. Um, and ultimately it makes people more productive sort of whether they're buying it for that reason or not. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be a thing on the gram. I kind of wanted to ask you about that because you are definitely like, you know, tried and tested some of the shit you're selling. It's definitely like the top kit you can get for carpenters. Yeah. But in saying that there's definitely that like, flashy element to it where you oh, know, it's like a, it's, a, it's a hype tool you know especially like the martinis like i'm not knocking it uh it's a well so have a look at um scott's brand scott brown's youtube he just literally bought a martinez for the yeah. youtube content <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um so yeah there's definitely that to it i don't know why that has happened it's all, like it's it's like the gucci of like nail bags or, uh, of gucci of hammers sort of thing like yes yeah. I draw the line of the difference in that it actually does something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Louis Vuitton and Gucci and like, I don't much care about that type of shit. It doesn't do anything better for me. So I see the difference in the hammer, but I still think some people buy it just so they can say their dick's bigger. Yeah. Yeah. By all means, go for it. Keep doing it. I'm all for it. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty transparent in my motives. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's funny because, and even like the whole, like people will buy shit from us and then they tag us in Instagram photos and that kind of thing. And I fucking love it. It's awesome. But mm. I'm always interested in the psychology of why people do certain things. And like, that's mm. pretty much what marketing is. And to this day, I still can't figure out what that is. Um, it's one of my favorite things though, like someone will have an Instagram page with like three posts and they've been on Instagram for like 10 years. Like one was their BMX when they were like 16 or some shit. Then they got engaged when they were like 20 and now they're 23 and they've bought a Martinez hammer. 
and that's their three posts. And you're like, out of all these life events, we're fucking up there with that. Like, that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Like, there's little shit like that that I just fucking get a kick out of and it makes the whole thing worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. Because I, I think um, I, I would give people props, you know, especially um, carpenters because I don't think we're really known that much for being like real flashy kind of dudes, you know, like yeah. it's not, we're not wearing like designer fashion or anything like that. But, you know, <laughs> no, we're, 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 as far as men spending money, we'll spend it on tools or we'll buy a flashy or some tattoos <laughs> or a jet ski or something like that, like a toy. Uh, that's yeah. where the money goes. So, you know, but also I think there's a, there's a, like an element of there's, there's guys out there who want to be craftsmen, who want to be the best, you know, whether it's for whatever end goal that is, they want to be a fucking badass carpenter. And I can see the, the appeal of like, I'm going to get the best fucking hammer I can get. I'm going to get a real sick set of bags. I'm going to use yeah. all the best tools. Cause like, I want to be legit. Like I'm trying to send it here, you know, which I think is yeah. pretty cool. Um, and I can definitely get behind that, but, uh, yeah, then, then there's the flip side of where, you know, like a brand new first year apprentice is running around for like a $500 hammer and thousand dollar bags. <laughs> and you're like, you're taking the piss, you know, you, you never even build a house, man. Like, it's yeah. kind of funny. Um, like, cause I get these internal conflicts of interest all the time. Cause people obviously know that I work like still framed during the day. And so they message me asking what nail bag they should buy. Hmm. And my issue is when it comes to like first and second years is like figure out what you're going to do first. <laughs> yeah. Like it's easy for me for a guy that says he's been in the trade for 10 years. He does all rounding, remodeling, renos, that type of shit. I can be like, try this one. It'll suit you the most. Whereas like for a first year or a second year to spend that much on a nail bag is fucking sick because it shows like commitment to their trade. They're mm. willing to put their money where their mouth is. Um, my problem is though, like when they get qualified, is that nail bag still going to be as useful as it could be when they move on to some other, if they go into like a specialist field, if you go into framing and all you did was finish carpentry and you set up a finished carpenter set of bags that are quite small in comparison to what you'd carry, then it's sort of like, it's not a waste of money because you used it for that many years, but you're not getting the full value out of it. And so mm-hmm. that's, and then obviously there's the motive to sell them the most expensive set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I tend not to do the latter though. Have the yeah. best interest in mind because happy customers mean happy business. Yeah, that's interesting. It's definitely an interesting one because it's a big investment. Like I don't know what it's like oh, over in Aussie. Over here really, especially like hand tools, obviously hand tools, bags, hammers, like you got to buy your own, you know, power tools is yeah. sometimes it's different. Sometimes it'll be company tools, sometimes not. But in terms of like the kit that you sell on your website, that's all stuff that, that guys pretty much have to provide for themselves. So you know that those yeah. guys are paying it out of their own pocket. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a big old investment, especially if you're a young fella. So um, yeah, yeah, it's good to get that kind of advice. <laughs> Take what I say with a grain of salt generally, if you're asking me for advice, um, but well, because I don't, I hate to think I just rub people up the wrong way and that I'm just trying to sell them shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, yeah, try and keep people's best interest in mind, like I said. And and I guess at the end of the day, like, you didn't make that tool. You know, you you are kind of a middleman in that whole situation. So, yeah. you know, they should, they should be doing their research themselves, shouldn't they, really? Um, That's what I tell, 
a lot of them will just tell to like go through our Instagram feed, find someone that's bought what they want and just message them. Mm. Like most yeah. people on Instagram are pretty fucking cool. You can just like, if you see a guy that I've posted about that just bought an M1 or something like that, you can message him and be like, hey, bro, what kind of work do you do? Do you think it'd be good for this? Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to care. They think like it's kind of flattering when someone asks you what they think. Totally. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I'm interested actually, like this is a wee bit off topic, but when I oh. see on the gram, like I'm, I'm pretty new to social media and over here in New Zealand and talking about bags, we, we, most people over here run a tourist leather company bags, which are like mm-hmm. New Zealand made bags, which are, they're pretty small by like international yeah. standards. Like I see these guys in North America and even over in Aussie there run these huge diamond bags tool belts and like the bottom bag of those belts are like dragging on the floor damn near yeah and like, what the hell are those things like carrying those around all day so yeah what what do you guys use over there like you're a frame obviously you probably use quite a big set of bags so most if you walked onto pretty much any building site in australia the most common you would find are the like Irwin ones that you wear at your front yeah yeah um above and beyond anything you will see them most and that's, I think that's mostly like an older school mentality of not wanting to try something new, like not wanting to sort of step out and be different. Mm. Um, like the guys that have the, not the, necessarily the biggest setups, but the nicer setups, like the Diamondbacks, um, the Occidentals and even Buckaroo. Um, like they all would <laughs> tell you they'll never go back to the urn because it just doesn't make sense to wear everything at the front. Yeah. Um, and it's like as far as the size, it's horses for courses. Like people ask me what they should carry, what nail bag they should buy depending on the task they're doing. Mm. And generally I've found it comes down more to the type of person. Like if you don't want to carry everything but you're doing a job that you should carry everything, you're going to find a way not to. Mm. So having a big set of nail bags isn't going to do fuck all for you. Mm. Um, and then, so yeah, I generally tell people it's more down to the person. Like if you're doing a reno, you could easily justify carrying every tool in the same page. You can easily justify not like you can, you know, you're probably going to work in the same bathroom all day. So you can tell yourself like, I've just got a bucket of tools sitting there. Why do I need a massive nail bag on the same token? You could tell yourself like, I'm doing a reno. I need all these different kinds of tools. I'm just going to carry them with me and I don't go to the bucket. So it's, it's horses for courses more than it's like jobs for certain setups. I think, do, do you find that most people will just run one set of bags, even if they are, you know, starting from say you're doing a foundation right to finishing a house. If you're that kind of builder or doing Reno, cause I've seen some people and I guess this is just like basically just Instagram swag, but they'll have like two, they'll have like a finishing set of bags, a whole finishing set up and then a framing set up. And I'm just like, man, that's, that's savage. Yeah. Like the idea of it definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, there are blokes that do it. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, whether I personally think it's a good idea or not, I probably can't really say cause I've never had, like I've never tried it. Mm, mm. <laughs> and like I, it's because I mostly just do framing. Like I might not carry a pair of tin snips on a chalk line on me that day. That's like the biggest change I'll make if I know I'm just not going to use them all day. Yeah. Um, like I can definitely see why you would 
do that. Mostly, like if you're working in a finished house, you don't want a massive nail bag. Um, that's you're gonna scratch walls and shit when you walk past. Yeah. Um, whereas, like when you're framing, you still need to carry some shit. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. What would you say from from your experience and just from what people are buying and and the kind of quality of tools that you guys are supplying? You know, tools are kind of subjective. Like I, I kind of. I'm talking power tools right now, but but you could say it with a, a lot of different things. Um, you know, you see, especially on Instagram, or just the kind of um, want to have tool, say like a drop saw would be like a Festool, like Capex drop saw or something like yeah. that. Like that's the hottest drop saw you can buy, right? But at the end of the day, like you got to be good enough to use that tool. Um, yeah. And there's that, that, that want for that really flash tool or that, you want to put a whole lot of money into something that's really like not going to get you that much productivity out of it. You know, I yeah. always, I always joke to people like I've trimmed out a $3 million house with a Ryobi drop saw just cause I can do it. Yeah. Um, like I didn't need a well, it's that. Yeah. It's like that age old argument that knowledge is lighter, ca- lighter to carry than tools. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, if you never put a nail in the wrong spot, carrying a nail picks pointless. Hmm. It's that kind of thing, I think, yeah. is what you're getting to. And it is definitely how you use it. Like, what's the point of having a fucking $500 hammer if you can't hit a nail with it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Learn yeah. to swing a hammer first. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're at that higher level and then like your Ryobi drop saw would get you probably 80 90% of the way there. Mm. And then from there, then you're looking to start to add those little one percenters. Yeah. Um, and then so that's where the Martinez might come into it is when you're looking to add that extra couple percent. It'll still drive a nail the same way as a $9 hammer from Bunnings wheel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. nail is still going to get sunk in the timber. But when you're looking to add those one percenters to your productivity, like if you're sending it in four hits with your $9 hammer versus sending it in two with your Martinez, well, that's, that's where you get it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, I wonder, like leading on from that, where do you think uh, you're going to get your most bang for your buck in terms of really spending good money on tools? You know, you guys, you probably do a lot of bags and I can imagine you sell quite a bit of those martinis hammers. Like those are two things that I probably think of, like especially the bags, you know, uh, you can, like you say, you could run a, a Irwin bag and there's probably a, quite a bit of difference between that bag and, and a real nice set of diamondbacks, not just in terms of money, but what you can actually get out of them and how much more efficient they can be. So where would you say yeah. like somewhere you should definitely put your money in, in this direction. If you want to, if you want to have good cut, this is what you should be getting. So the opposite way to look at that would be like, what's your biggest pain point? Mm. So nail bags are going to be your most obvious pain point that you have day to day because you're using it and I say using it, wearing it the most, um, like your hammer might be in your hand for a couple of hours a day, but your nail bags on for eight to 10 to 12, whatever you're doing. Um, and it causes you the most discomfort when it's not right. Mm. Uh, lean towards saying nail bag set up first hammer second. Yeah. If you were just to look at our products, um, further like if you were to look at it as a whole i'd say make sure you're properly educated in what you're doing <laughs> yeah for sure um like because that's <laughs> it's going to take you so much further than a good nail bag like basic trigonometry that type of shit will take you a lot further in this game than 
expensive tools. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have to um, agree. Like I don't have a real flash set of bags, but one thing I've invested we'll in fix a while that, <laughs> was, um, was getting like a good pair of braces. And like you said earlier, like I feel like, yes, wait, I can be on these bags for 10 hours plus and it's not going to annoy me as much. You know, like you say, if you can get an extra hour out of your day where you're like, yeah, mm. no, let's, let's keep on going. Um, yeah. That you're going to earn that money back real quick. Yeah. Well, I know for like myself, I bought my Martinez hammer before any of this shit. I bought it a couple of years ago and got it sent over from him. Mm-hmm. And like the first, I went from a 28 ounce S wing to the M1, which is 15 ounce. And like the legit had an arm, arm pump at the end of the day, just cause like I'm not used to how light it was. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty good feeling. Yeah. Out of all the stuff that you've got, or just in general, I'm just interested because you're dealing with it a lot. What What's your favorite tool? Do you have a favorite kind of hand tool or or something that you're like, yeah, fuck, this is the best thing I've bought? You got me now. Um, <laughs> probably my hammer. But it's sort of the whole, like those tools I use day to day, like my nail bag setup, my pass load, um, and my cordless saw, like you sort of, I like that feeling of getting them out in the morning and putting them back and like making sure they're working right just because like I feed my family with them. So it's like that cool sentimental attachment that like these things are food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. And so it's like as far as productivity, maybe not so much, but as far as like a general good feeling, like making sure you've got those good basics, which for me is a nail gun, a saw and a set of bags and like that's that's nice. I like that that way you look at it, and I think you know there's some guys who are pretty rough on tools. Uh, I, I've actually just finished up with one company and I moved on to another. But yeah, he'll probably listen to this and be grumpy. But uh, <laughs> one of the lads the other day uh, finally cleaned his nail gun for the first time in like five years, and and it kind of just blows my mind. Like I know how it is. I don't know what it's like over there, but over here, like you don't get time to do that. You know, you have to make time. Oh, That's something you're doing no. on a weekend. That's like, what you're doing in your own time. <laughs> yeah, like I if know if one of my boys started to pull their nail gun on, like pull their nail gun apart on site during yeah. anything other than smoke. Like, can't, what the fuck are you doing? Get back yeah. to work. Yeah, exactly. Like, unless it's something you're fixing, like a jam or something, to keep going with it. That's done in your own time. Yeah, and and a lot of guys, I think, just never get around to that because it's like you know you you've smashed out like a sixty hour week. Like the last thing you want to do on a Sunday, start pulling the nail gun apart. You know, yeah. So it can get left and left and left. But then in the it changes as- a little bit. I was, I was like that. Like put it in my ute, see it Monday. Don't worry about it. Um, and then when you start running your own crew, and you know. If I don't fix the seals on this nail gun, I'm probably going to need it on Wednesday. I'm going to have to do it Wednesday morning in the early hours in the morning. I'm not going to do it right because I'm in a hurry. Fuck it. I'll just do it now. Then it's done. I don't have to worry about it. And so it's that responsibility thing. Once it becomes your problem, you start to take more responsibility for it. True. Yeah, exactly. Um, So definitely, yeah, it just changes your perspective more than anything. Mm. Yeah, that's good to have. Yeah, I think a lot of guys who are just kind of employees or on the tools, they're, they're not thinking about that. Like they're just going to wait until their nail gun breaks down. <laughs> and then yeah. That's just, that's just how it goes really. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that's just an ad to buy like real decent tools so you get longer out of them, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. 
Yeah, 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 a little bit. But you know what I mean? Like, I like what you say about having that relationship with your gear, especially if it's good gear. And, and maybe that's why it's worth investing money in because like, it is your money maker at the end of the day. Um, yeah. Like you, you can be shit hot with your hands, but you need to be holding something. So uh, Yeah, that's it. Like if your yeah. saw's not working or it's unreliable or something like that and you're just trying to keep pushing through your day with it, like, fuck, just go buy a new one. <laughs> yeah. And that's definitely. like... I fall into that category with like corded versus cordless tools. Like I see roof tilers running around all the time still with corded saws. Yeah. It's like, fuck boys, like just go buy a cordless saw. Fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> that type of shit, it almost irritates me because it's like, why wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. It's Maybe it's a, it is a bit of an old guard. I think there is like a kind of younger guys coming through who are more interested in maybe tools or just trying new things like the cordless or even you know when I've, a lot of the younger guys on site now are running braces that are holding up their tool bags because they're fucking heavy like the amount of old yeah. carpenters i see who have had hip replacements or just absolutely crooked um and it's like well you know not only have you been like running your apron on your front full of stuff all your life and like you probably never stretched a day in your life either like you're not yeah. helping your body out and then like the same yeah, guys are, are like back. yeah and they're real like anti like wearing braces which i just don't get like nah it's like nah i've never wore braces all these years i'm not gonna start now <laughs> righto and like <laughs> from someone that tries to sell people tools like that mentality used to just piss me off so much because it's like this isn't a sales pitch this is just fucking better how do you not see this yeah and then like after a few months of banging your head against a wall, you just got to realize I'm not it. <laughs> people are different yeah. for a start. Um, and some people just don't care if it's better or not because it's not what they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just get stuck in your ways. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose like if you do something that way for like 30 years, you're going to find it hard to change. Mm. And it's easy for me to sit here at 23 and say, I won't be like that when I'm that age, but there's every chance I will be. Yeah, true. All right, cool, man. Um, so I want to, we'll probably like wrap it up there, but I just want to give you a wee chance to kind of plug yourself and your business and where people can find you. And uh, if they don't know already, like like you say, uh, maybe especially for the New Zealand market, I know I've been in contact with Mark Martinez and I've had other guys from my crew who have, who have contacted Martinez Hammers and be like, you know, where can I get the hammer if I'm in New Zealand? And they all point to you guys. Yeah, if you just want to maybe kick some, kick some of that around. So as far as like messaging me, the People's Toolco on in- Instagram, it's all me. All of yep. it's me. The emails and everything. That <laughs> doesn't really change, but that's probably where you'll get the quickest and most casual, honest response. Yeah. Um, and then obviously if you want to order something, there's a website, thepeoplestoolco.com.au. Uh, yeah, that's about it. I think we're on Facebook too, but I don't do fuck all with Facebook. It's just a repost from Instagram. People yeah. on Facebook hate us. <laughs> Instagram people are like cool, they're like our hammers and shit. You go on Facebook and read through our comments and like, fuck, a five hundred dollar hammer does it suck your dick as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Standard. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't go on Facebook much. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you guys are are the place to go to get Occidental Diamond Bell Martinez. Yeah. Uh, who else do we do? Collins clamps, uh keys blades and fixings. We do some of fell gear. I don't think we've sold any in New Zealand yet. Yeah, Holtifers. Yeah. It's probably our main ones. Yeah. Troll clothing, dirty ants, clean money, all that type of shit. And that's and that's pretty much, that. that is the best place to get it. Like when I've uh, contacted 
those kind of companies from New Zealand directly in, in the States or wherever you're sourcing it from, they, they point straight to you guys. So, uh, yeah, if you're in well, New Zealand. Well, postage from us is like 20 bucks to get it across the ditch. Um, yeah. If you're in Australia, it's like 10 to get it pretty much anywhere. Um, yeah. and depending what you're buying from the US, you're looking at 100 plus. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, cheers for your time, brother. I appreciate it. All right, man. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll do it again. We'll keep in touch. And definitely uh, people listening out there, go and follow you guys on Instagram. And um, it's like, a, like you say, uh, I think, is it on the Instagram page? Like this is the, the tool shop that your wife wants. Yeah, you your missus wants you about. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's bloody true. It's dangerous. It's, it's we went through this phase of like people would order something and then email and be like, can you not put a receipt in the box when you send it? Because <laughs> t- I haven't told my missus about this. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's where that stems from. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I can see how it would. Yeah. All right. <laughs> cool, Jack. Cheers for your time, bro. Beautiful. Cheers, mate. All right. Thanks for listening, friends. If, like me, you enjoy conversations about the love of building and creating, then please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a review at wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks very much to Jack for his time. Jack is getting after it, no doubt about it. By now, you should be well and truly salivating to go check out what he has to offer at the People's Tool Company. You know you deserve a wee treat, so why not go and get yourself some of the the best tools available that will not only increase your productivity but ensure your swag reigns supreme on site and get your fix at thepeoplestoolco.com.au and follow jack and the people's tool co at instagram uh he is the underscore people's underscore tool thanks again to you for your time and your support i really appreciate it You can follow me on Instagram at chipawaycarpenter to keep up to date with what's happening on the podcast and until the next one, keep chipping away.